one of the things that really helped me to grow my business and which I sort of felt like I kind of lacked in that first year was being open to those collaborations and when people reach out to you because you never know what's going to happen. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and today we are diving into a conversation with a fellow founder and entrepreneur, Sandra Chow. We're talking all about her journey to entrepreneurship and lessons she's learned along the way. I'm really excited to dive in because we chat about how she's gone about, um, well, some of the lessons she's learned from moving from a corporate, being in the corporate environment as a lawyer into more of a creative role and how she has thought about building a team and outsourcing some roles, specifically VAs, which I know a lot of you always ask about is how do I hire a VA? And we dive into that a little bit. Um, Sandra is a creative director and a stylist. She founded the School of Visual Branding in 2018 and specializes in teaching entrepreneurs how to grow their online brands and increase their profit using visual strategy. Known and respected for her minimalist design aesthetic, Sandra takes a thoughtful and intentional approach to design and connects brands to their customers by elevating their visuals in new and exciting ways. Through her creative agency, she's directed and styled campaigns for luxury brands all over the world, ranging from jewelry, loungewear, bedding, beauty, artisan product, and service-based brands and more. She believes that defined visual branding goes far beyond your Instagram grid and should awaken the very heart of your mission, value, and legacy as a brand and is passionate about teaching and sharing this with her community. Super excited for you to hear and listen in on our conversation. Sandra, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to dive in with you. Thanks for gifting your time um, and and speaking with me today. No, thanks so much for having me, Jackie. I'm so excited. Yes, so I am too, um, because I think we we have a lot of, well, our businesses are very different, but I have a feeling that our transition to get here might be a little bit similar. Um, One thing that I really love to do is hear a good founder story. I, I love to hear how people decided to get into the entrepreneurship world. It's not for everybody. So can you give a little background on how you got here? And and yeah, we'll start there. Yeah, no, um, I'd love that because I don't know, this was something that I'd never had never planned on doing, I guess is probably the best way to put it. Um, so I studied law in university um, and went kind of that traditional path, um, trained, became a lawyer, um, was working in Hong Kong at the time at an international law firm, um, working crazy hours and um, paying my dues. Um, But I practiced for about six years, I think. And then, um, but I mean, I really loved it. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't love the law, but I was just really burnt out. And I think the corporate environment was just taking a toll on me. And um, I was getting sick a lot. I felt like you could kind of feel like your health was kind of deteriorating and just not in the best of places. And um, at that time, this is a bit cliche. At that time, I was actually planning my wedding. (laughs) I was planning three weddings um, because um, we had family in Hong Kong and Taipei and then in Sydney. So I kind of like really dived in. Yeah, creative 
kind of world um, in that sort of year and a half of planning like three weddings. And I just fell in love with it. Like I really loved the creative side of it. And I think because it was just so different to what I was doing in in my work. And, um, and so I kind of started a little blog on the side, like a wedding blog as sort of this place where I could just, you know, be creative and, you know, put ideas out there and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and in the back of my mind, I'd always sort of wanted to leave law, I think. And I kind of had a really bad day at work and made a really rash decision um, to quit. And um, so I finally did that. My husband was really supportive, which was really great because it's just a bit unbelievable, I think, in in many ways. Um, And I started putting all my attention in this blog and it kind of opened this door to me where I met a lot of other creatives in the wedding industry. And um, I fell in love with it. I was dabbling in styling on the side myself. And I met this lovely um, floral and events designer and we started getting chatting and everything. And it just so happened she was looking for somebody. And so um, I ended up freelancing with her as a stylist and learned a lot from her. And it kind of just grew from there, really. And um, over time, I sort of eventually moved into sort of more branding and lifestyle work as sort of my family grew. I have I have three kids under eight and um, the wedding kind of lifestyle just wasn't really, it didn't quite work for me personally. And so, but it was kind of a gradual progression and I, and I ended up work, doing a lot of branding work, a lot of photo shoots for creative businesses that I actually met in the wedding industry as well too. And then it kind of just organically sort of changed and evolved into what it is now. And, and um. I don't know. I still, I still find it a bit of a crazy journey, but I can't imagine it any other way though. Yeah. So how long have you been, how long have you had your own business? So I left my job in 2013. So it's 10 years wow. now. Yeah. That's so it's amazing. Been, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been quite the ride. <laughs> okay. So my first question I have for you is how, did you have at all? Okay, you went to school to be a, a lawyer, and that is a lot of education. A lot of, um, I think, once you earn the degree and you earn the passing a bar, I imagine there's an equivalent to that in other countries. Like, it's kind of like you you've earned the right to um, call yourself a lawyer. <laughs> Did you have? any imposter syndrome going into a career that was so drastically different that you didn't get schooling for, or maybe a formal education for like, did that happen to you? Did you get any, like, how do I I have to go back to school? I don't know anything. Like, how did you, how did you navigate that? Cause I would be, that would be very, a, a very big struggle for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and hands down, absolutely. Imposter syndrome was like, you know, going strong. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's true because I studied like I studied five years in university to get a double degree and then um had to do extra training in Australia to qualify and then another year in Hong Kong to qualify plus two years of then training as a junior before actually qualifying. So it's it is a long process. So making this change was quite drastic. And I think a lot of people were like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know um, how are you going to do this? And I think I just really learned on the job. And and this was during a time where Instagram wasn't really a thing. Um, it hadn't really come about yet. So, and then, you know, digital courses, all that sort of stuff wasn't really available. So it was a lot of trial and error. And, I, and I'll be completely honest. And I always say this, especially, especially 
especially to like my students and everything who are first starting out or, you know, thick in that those first few years where it's really, you know, you're in the trenches and it's really tough. Um, I probably didn't make, I didn't really make much money in the first three to four years of my business. Um, it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of experimenting, a lot of feeling in the dark. Um, but I think it was also kind of a necessary part of the journey. I'm, I'm, a, and I think because I've trained um, for so long in things, I believe in you know paying your dues, working your way up, um, you know working up that ladder, and then building those solid foundations. So it was really in those first first few years about that, about discovering my brand, about discovering who I wanted to work with, what the best way was, um, and it kind of led me down, you know, this path, but then also led me down later on to, you know, create a course to teach other people how to do it as well too. So it did take me a while. Um, and so I did feel that sort of imposter syndrome a lot because I'm not design trained at all. Um, my parents were quite traditional. I'm, I'm, I'm from Hong Kong, so Chinese culture, but um, they didn't really, you know, believe in the arts. So even like in school, I remember I wanted to do art. Um, I wanted to do photography, but it really wasn't like, no, you know, you can't do that, you know. So it's more that sort of traditional route um, for your studies. And so I did find it, you know, quite like a lot of the times I'm like, oh, is, you know, can I really do this? Like, am I qualified to take on a client, you know, to plan their event or um, and whatnot? And I think learning from someone else really helps. So having that um, freelancing role, um, you know, ask a lot of questions and and really hands-on, that kind of hands-on learning, I find was really helpful for me to sort of get me out of that thinking. And then over time, um, the way I kind of built like my agency and the way I price things, um, the way I work with clients, I was very conservative at the beginning, like in terms of what I would charge for it, because I felt like I couldn't really charge for it because I didn't have the experience. And this is kind of like all self-taught. Um, but over time, like as I booked more, I was kind of more confident and then sort of prices started to reflect that. And then it just kind of built up over time rather than just jumping and say like, well, okay, you're going to pay me five grand for my services when, you know, I'm just starting out. So for me, like that small, those little bit of step, those little steps really helped. I felt. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Even me, you know, I have an MBA and there's time and I, my entire career has been in recruiting in HR. And yet I still have times where I'm like, am I qualified to do this? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that happens in any industry as well too. Like even as a lawyer, like when I was practicing for so long, you still think like, mm, am I really qualified to go and like pitch this deal or like, you know, close this thing or, um, and even now I think the imposter syndrome is just different. It's different mm -hmm. levels. of That's it. true. And, um, it's always there no matter what stage you're a business you're at, I feel like. And I always think it's like this big constant experiment like even now you're always you know something like oh okay maybe that wasn't the right wasn't the right approach or the right thing or it didn't really work out and I think that just comes hand in hand with you know running your own business yeah totally I think you have to you have to one trust that you can figure anything out I think if you really believe that you can be successful as a business owner and you just gotta start in my experience it's been two and a half years you just gotta start and be okay with kind of guessing and like taking educated guests of like, I think this is how I should structure, you know, X, Y, Z, even for us, how, how I've gone about setting pricing and how I do consulting. I want to be very different than all the other recruiting firms out there, because I think it's not the way that they do pricing, at least here in the U S is so 
terrible that I was like, and because I've been on the other side, I've been a recruiter and I've been in-house that I'm like, my pricing is going to be different because I want it to make sense to business owners. But then as I'm doing that, I'll like price myself for something. And then at the end, I'll be like, Ooh, that wasn't a good move, but at least I made money in the process. And I learned, you know, instead of just sitting back and doing nothing, uh, which I think a lot of business owners do sometimes as they wait till they feel like they have it all figured out before they even try something. Yeah. And I think um, it's hard because a whole, a lot of it is sort of learning on the job and making those mistakes and learning from them, I think. And, um, and I think it just comes hand in hand. It's just part of it. It's, it's not an easy route, I think. Um, I think I walked into it thinking like, oh, it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be so easy. Um, but it hasn't been. Um, and I think it's okay though. And that's, and that's probably the more realistic view of it, I think. So outside of completely shifting like industries that you're working in, what are some of the big differences that you've seen from working in a corporate life to doing to entrepreneurship? Are there any differences in how you have to show up or how you think about things that were big differences to you? Um, there are some similarities. Like for me, I think coming from a, a legal sort of background, I'm quite methodical in the way I sort of approach things and pay attention to things and I can be, you know, quite sort of anal on the attention to detail, those kinds of things, which I think has helped in my own business and in um, the way I approach my work as well with clients and just that whole sort of from the onboarding, I mean, from the lead to the onboarding, like that whole sort of client experience and the professionalism in that sense, I think has really helped. Um, what to me has been really different. And and I think what I love about it is, is that flexibility because coming from the corporate corporate world, you just, you don't have flexibility. It's not really, not really a thing. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, putting aside the long hours and everything, it's just, you don't, and and now, you know, I have a family, I've got three kids, um, you know, I can go and pick them up from school when I want to, um, before there, there'd be no way I'd have to, you know, put them in or get someone else to do it or, um, find help and all those kinds of things. And I wouldn't be able to be present with them the way I am now. I wouldn't be able to, you know, you know, they've got a school performance and then I can just sort of like, okay, I'm going to go today. I'm going to work a little bit less. So I think that flexibility for me has been, has been amazing because I know in my previous um, job, it just wouldn't have been possible. And there are times where sometimes, and in those first few years, I used to say to my husband, like, oh, maybe that was a bad choice. Maybe I should go back. You know, um, you know, when things are hard, you're like, oh, maybe I should just, maybe that wasn't the best move. You've tried it. Let's, let's, you know, go back. But then at the same time, we're like, well, you know, if you did, you wouldn't be able to do all these things with your kids and for us to have that flexibility to travel and, and all those kinds of things as well too. And so for me, that's been the biggest thing. I think the biggest difference. And also I think having <laughs> to be a, such a generalist can be so different too. Like when you're a business, at least for me, when I was in corporate, a lot of times I, w I just had one, I don't want to say, focus because there's a lot of them, but it was like kind of tailored. And now that I'm a business owner, I have to do accounting and I have to do sale. Like I have to be kind of good at a little bit of everything um, until it gets to the point where I can hire somebody who's better than me. Uh, that's been such a learning for me. That's true. Cause I mean, I think you have to wear all the hats. I feel like we've got to be, yeah, like you said, the accountant, and then we've got to be the, you know, marketing manager, social media manager, especially now with all the things and your know, graphic designer, 
like so many things. There's so many hats to wear, so many things to learn. It can be quite overwhelming. But then I don't know. I I love it though. I love having to learn these new little things. And um, I know it can be quite tedious at the beginning, but I love being able to do to multitask and to be able to do all of those things and kind of pull it all together. Like there's a lot of so it's satisfaction behind it when you see it kind of all come together. And I, and I personally really love that. Yeah, for, for sure. For me, it's like, I've built, built all my own websites. What? Yeah. Like I never would have, I mean, now they make it so easy because it's kind of yeah. drag and drop and all this stuff. But then after I build it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Like, that's, that's amazing. Um, I'm, it's probably not as great as if I were to hire a branding expert like you, but hey, I did it and it feels good to know that I can if I have to. So curious, I know right you know before we hit record, you mentioned that you do have a small team. Um, and what has been your experience in bringing on help into your business? That doesn't have to be, you know, full-time employees or or anything, but have you started to explore or, and have you onboarded a few people to help support you in your business? Yeah, so I have a very small team. So I have a virtual assistant who helps me with, um, you know, some of the more sort of tedious backend sort of things. I have um, a lovely assistant who helps me um, mainly on my digital course side of the business. And then um, in terms of the agency, I work with a lot of contractors for it, depending on the project. So depending on the project, I might bring on my graphic designer or a website designer, um, then I'm always working with photographers and videographers on that kind of basis. But I don't have like, you know, permanent full-time staff. But at the same time, I kind of like that though, because I have to say one of the things that I, you know, didn't really always love in the corporate world was also managing people. (laughs) And so having that kind of being able to still work with a lot of other people, but in a different capacity, I really like. So, um, but it was hard though, to bring even just that first kind of VA on I felt because I can be a bit of a control freak about things and especially when it's your own you know it's your your baby and you like things to be done a certain way or you've been doing it sort of yourself for so long I found it was hard to sort of let go or find the best way to sort of outsource things and and yeah yeah well I get asked a lot from a lot of entrepreneurs who you know, the way that they're going to scale is a very similar way to you. You know, not every business needs to have full-time team members. Um, So do you have any best practices or things that you've learned, specifically VAs? I think that a lot of people are like, oh, I want to hire a VA. What what have been some of your learnings about what works? Like, how do you delegate? How do you decide what tasks a VA can do? How do you just, de- how do you delegate to them so that they know what to do? Have you had any learnings along the way with that? Yeah. I mean, I think I do remember like the first VA I hired, it didn't quite go the way that I expected. Not so much on her part, but I think for on my part, I wasn't set up or organized for it. I feel like. Um, so what I learned from that was to be quite, um, detailed and organized in the way and, and also, um, teaching them, I guess, how to do it. And so with that, I actually put together a lot of like little training videos and stuff on certain tasks that I wanted them to do, because, you know, like we were saying just now before where we're always wearing so many hats and like, we're familiar with the, you know, email system we use or the website, you know, builder that we were using, but it's hard to expect that they also can do that right from the scratch. So I did a lot of like, you know, behind the scenes, um, you know, recordings on Loom to take them through like, okay, this is how we would set up 
the email, this is where you find, you know, this, and then um, having those kind of, you know, so-called training manuals, I think, really helped for the task that I was going to be delegating out. And um, to sort of work out what I wanted to delegate out, I was kind of looking at the things that were a bit of a time suck um, for me personally, and then something that didn't really require me to do. You know, so if I had the emails written up, like, does it really require me to go then and set it all up inside ConvertKit or whichever program it is that you use, like those kind of tasks, but still, you know, you still need to train them on those things, I think. And so that's really helped um, putting together those kind of uh, training videos. And then I use um, Monday to sort of communicate. And everything's sort of housed into one. And so um, being organized has really helped in terms of communicating, especially now with a few people on the team running different tasks. Um, it's just been very helpful to sort of have that hub, essentially, where you can, everyone can sort of you know, delegate tasks and, and all those kinds of things. Yeah. I just need to stop and tell listeners that, like, that so often entrepreneurs are overwhelmed and they're like, oh, an assistant is going to save my life. And they think it's just magically going to solve everything. And I'm here, like, I, if you hear anything of what she just said, is like, you have to be organized. You have to teach them how to do it. And that involves creating, you know, instructions, you know, on how to do it, filming videos and be willing to teach someone. You can't just say, okay, great, I need you to do this email good luck. Here's your login. Like you can't expect people to be successful in that way. And mo the majority of the entrepreneurs I know do, that's what they expect. They think an assistant's magically going to solve their problems, but you got to be organized before you can even outsource anything to anybody. And if you're like listening and thinking you need to hire an assistant, your, your life's going to get a little bit busier for a while while you're getting organized until you can hire that person. Um, and I just get so frustrated because they just jump out and hire an assistant and then they're mad when it doesn't work out. And it's their fault because they never took the time to actually set up the trainings and the organization. So thank you for allowing me to go on a tangent because I get so mad. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. And, you know, I've fallen into that trap as well too. And it is a tedious process to get that all set up. But once you do... And everything just runs so much more smoothly. It's like so worth that time. It is tedious to put together, like, you know, to put those kind of training videos, like, oh, here is where you, you know, here's how you segment the list. Here's where you find them. Here's what you do, you know, all those kinds of things. And it is very um, tedious, but so worthwhile and will save you so many headaches once you actually do bring someone on board. And so I think that onboarding process and giving them that space as well to, 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 one, you know, maybe make some mistakes and then also for them to, you know, get the hang of things and get into the swing of it is really important. So I wouldn't, you know, like, oh, I'm about to launch next week. Okay. Now's the time to bring someone on, you know, definitely not the time, um, but I think it has to be a time where you have that space to also, um, you know, teach them and then also that space for them to, to just play around with it as well too, because I mean, it took me a while to figure it out. So absolutely. Okay, so then when you mentioned that you hire some graphic designers and you know freelance creative work or, um, roles, let's say, how do you find them and and how do you have a process for how you decide who you want to work with? Yeah, so um, it's quite interesting. So for me, a lot of the people that I work with, 
Um, so the photographers, videographers, graphic designers, website designers, there are people I just met in communities who just kind of got along. Style was very similar. We collaborated on things um, while we were building portfolios. We kind of grew together. We all started like at a similar time and were in the same place when we sort of came together. And then it's just grown into this you know, wonderful relationship where, you know, if they need someone, you know, I'm I'm available or if I need someone, they're available and we work with, you know, each other's clients and whatnot. And it's just been really nice in that sense. And and on that note, I think one of the things that really helped me to grow my business and which I sort of felt like I kind of lacked in that first year was being open to those collaborations. And when people reach out to you, because you never know what's going to happen. Like my graphic designer, she, I remember, um, we kind of got together because she emailed me and just thought like, oh, I'll just, I'll just see if Sandra's willing to do this for me. And then we did a trade. And then she's a person that I reach out to like every week when, when I'm stuck on something, you know, the photographer that I, that I work with all the time. I remember when I reached out to him for a coffee, he organized um, a coffee at this place that was very questionable. And most people would be like, okay, I'm going to write him off, but it didn't. And then it's become, you know, he works for my clients all the time. So you just kind of never know what's going to come out of these cold emails sometimes that you get. So I try not to, you know, write people off right away <laughs> because they've yeah. ended up becoming a part of my team. And and I love that. I think that's great advice. I always say, always be recruiting a- ABR because you never know who you meet, who one could help you in your business to connect you to somebody who, who could. Um, and I also think there's this, I imagine you run into this in your line of work as, as well as I do in recruiting is sometimes there's like a very like, um, scarcity mindset, like it's very competitive. And I just think there's more than enough to go around. And as soon as you actually believe that, then you meet a bunch of people who want to help and refer you business and you share stuff. And it's just such a better it's already lonely enough being an entrepreneur. Like, have why why make it worse by by you know putting an us versus them kind of mentality out yeah, there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um and sometimes you know there are times I'll be like, oh okay, this email sounds a bit funny. Should I? But then and I think back to these people that I've met who also probably sent me like questionable emails, and then they've kind of turned into these great relationships. So I always make a point of replying, and because you just kind of never know and um. And it's true. I think there's enough work to go around. Everyone has a different kind of style, different, you know, offering. They're different in their personalities and you're not right for everybody. And so it's just, you know, I think there's plenty of work to go around, even if there is someone who's doing something very similar to you. And it's just about, you know, finding the right fit. Totally. Totally. Okay. Switching gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about your your actual business. So we we've div, we've dived into how you got here, your team, all of that. But share. I, I would love to hear a little bit about your business. I have a question, but first I want to have you just share a little bit about how you work with clients and and all of that. Yeah. So um, I have a visual content development studio where we mainly help lifestyle brands mostly. Um, and I work with brands all over the world um, to create their, you know, brand photos, their brand campaign videos, and then help them sort of use them across their brand touch points. So then we work with them on perhaps sometimes on branding websites, as well as like the brand collateral afterwards as well too. And then with some clients, we also handle their um, social media uh, content management. Are, do you, are they, when you say lifestyle, is it like certain 
size of businesses that you work with typically? Um, I typically work with small businesses, um, lifestyle in the sense of like a lot of e-commerce kind of lifestyle brands. So I um, work with a lot of, um, you know, perhaps clothing, clothing brands, jewelry brands. Before that, I was working in more with a lot more sort of creative businesses like um, florists or photographers and, and, and doing shoots for them. But then these days it's more um, the e-commerce kind of brands. Yeah, which, which allows me to work with brands overseas, even though I'm based in um, Australia, because, you know, a lot of the times they send me products and then I just shoot them here with my team. And then that kind of works out quite well as well, too. That's awesome. Um, in a former life, I worked for a, well, my last full-time job, I worked for a packaging supply chain company, which sounds really strange, but we did, um, we worked with a lot of e-com brands to help them develop their packaging. Cause you know, the unboxing experience when you order something is such a big deal, as I'm sure, you know, and so we would always get sam- samples as well sent to us to do like shoots in like their boxes and stuff like that. And so a lot of my my clients, as I've done my started into my own entrepreneurial journey, have been a lot of like CPG or, you know, clothing brands, you know, jewelry brands, stuff like that, which has been really fun. Um, oh, so fun. That's so much fun. <laughs> I know you just launched a course or you have a course and you have some master classes coming up. How can listeners learn more? You know, maybe, maybe listener on the show, you know, has one of these brands and needs some help with, um, you know, branding and photography. How can they learn more about you and, and learn how to work with you? Yeah. So I do have a course called the branding ship method. So it's all about um, learning how to create a brand that sells through consistent and elevated visuals. And the masterclass that you mentioned, um, it's all about how to create elevated and consistent um, brand photos that increase your profits. You can find it at schoolofvisualbranding.com, which is my digital course side of the business, the educational um, side of my business. And then I always love connecting with people on Instagram. So you can always find me at Sandra Chow Design, where um, I share a lot of tips. I also share um, a lot of the projects that my agency is working on as well, too. So that's the best place to connect with me. Awesome. Well, I'm so grateful that you came and shared some of your wisdom and your experience of moving into away from corporate life into entrepreneurship. And thank you so much for for sharing um, your time with us. And I'm really excited I, I got to meet you and hopefully we can continue this conversation. Yes. Thank you so much, Jackie. It's been so great being on your podcast and I'm so excited for this too. Yeah. Go out. Awesome. Well, thanks listeners. We'll talk again soon. you're not driving, stop and take a moment to share this episode with someone who you thought about while listening, share it with your team to show them you're committed to their growth, share it with a fellow business owner in your network who, you know, will be moved by the message. Heck share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, or your cousin, your support in growing the show means the world to me.